You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this final installment from our Love of My Life series on marriage, Pastor Joe Sulek goes to the heart of the matter, how God's heart is for us, and how His love and grace are what we need in a difficult, uncompassionate world. Good morning, everyone. Magandang umaga, buenos dias. Hello and welcome to church today. My name is Joe. I'm one of your leaders here. And we're Every Nation Canberra. We exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. We are closing the series today on love and marriage. If you missed some of the series, you can still catch them on uh, Spotify. We have them available on Spotify and on our website. We started the series the first week with our message entitled Imperfect, right? Which just tells us that we all live in an imperfect world. We are imperfect people married to an imperfect spouse. So the thing is, it's not about being right or wrong. It's more about doing what is right. And then a week after that, we talked about making room. Why is it important for us to make room for God in our lives, make room for God in our marriages? And if we really are honest, we would find out, if we search our hearts, that we really don't have time for God. We don't have room for God. And God designed marriage in such a way that He's at the center of our marriage, and the closer we get to God, the closer we get to each other as a couple. And then on our third week, we talked about the importance of being able to hear the other person, being slow to anger, slow to speak, but quick to listen. The importance of hearing the other person. Last week, we talked about the real enemy, right? We talked about the fact that our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our fight is against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. You are not fighting with your spouse. You are not fighting with a human being, your antagonist is not your friend or your mom or your sister or your brother, but there are spiritual forces in the heavenly realms that we're fighting with. And it's important to understand that once we know the reality of the situation, then we're able to address our conflicts in a different manner. All right? So we'll go on to our message today. So last week, the Bible revealed to us who our real enemy is, and today, we will close the series with the heart of the matter. In everything that we've learned so far in the past four weeks about the struggles in our human relationships, what is really the heart of the matter? If you are an 80s person, you would probably know Don Henley. He was the co-founder of the band called Eagles. And he sang songs like Boys of Summer and a lot of great 80s songs. He wrote a song called Heart of the Matter, which was part of his album called End of Innocence, which he released as a solo performer in 1989. Chorus of the song goes like this. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter, but my will gets weak and my thoughts seem to scatter. But I think it's about forgiveness. Forgiveness, even if, even if you don't love me anymore. It's interesting to note that the song is about forgiveness. Don Henley just broke up with his fiancée who left him for another person, another guy, and he needs to forgive her and forgive himself for him to be able to move on. It has been said that this line here, 
but my will gets weak and my thoughts seem to scatter. It's a biblical reference coming from Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, that reads, the spirit is willing enough, but the flesh is weak. What this verse is telling us, while Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was betrayed, he was telling the disciples, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Why? Because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. There will be many times in our lives when we would listen more to what our heart tells us than what the spirit of truth reveals to us. The world will tell you, listen to your heart. Follow your heart. There have been movies, songs, and books that have been inspired by this creed of following your heart. It says that your heart is like a compass, your true north. And if you are just courageous enough to follow your heart, you will find happiness. For a lot of lost people, this seems to be like an enticing, interesting gospel to believe. But what is wrong with following your heart? First, the Bible tells us that we have, above all else, to guard our hearts. Why? Because everything that we do flows from it. The follow your heart creed is not found in the Bible. The Bible actually thinks that our heart is sick, is deceased. As we read in this verse, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond all cure. Who can understand it? Jesus, the great physician, lists the grim symptoms of this disease. What does the heart do? The heart, out of it comes evil thoughts. Jesus said, out of the heart come murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. This is why David's prayer to God was this. When David was praying to God, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, O God, and renew within me the right spirit. Our hearts were never designed to be followed. Remember that. But to be led. Our hearts were never designed to be gods in whom we believe. Our hearts were designed to believe in God. And today as we close the series, the heart of the matter that I want to talk about is forgiveness. The reality is that people mess up. They hurt us. We hurt them, we hurt each other. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. And sometimes people regret hurting you, and sometimes they don't. It's part of our folly, our human, fallen human nature. But the beauty of it all is that regardless of what people have done to us, regardless how hurt we have been, there is always a possibility and our ability to forgive and a chance for us to heal. Remember, forgiveness is a choice. It is something and a process that we have to make over and over again, every day of our lives, until we are free from the hurt, from the bitterness, and the pain that other people have caused us. You forgive not because they deserve forgiveness, but because you deserve peace, and because that is the right thing to do. 
when you forgive someone, it doesn't mean that you are agreeing to the wrong that they have done in your life. It doesn't mean that it's okay that you've done me wrong. That is not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness means, it doesn't mean also that you're excusing their behavior, right? What forgiveness does is preventing the behavior of other people from corrupting and destroying our hearts. That's what forgiveness does. I don't know what you're going through right now. Maybe someone has hurt you terribly in the past. Maybe a good friend betrayed you or a family member has done something really bad to you. Your heart tells you, it is your fault that I feel this way. It is because of your selfishness that I'm miserable right now. It is because of what you've done and because of your backstabbing that I'm hurting right now. But think about this. The reason there is no healing in our lives is because we refuse to forgive other people. But as Christians, remember, we don't have an option. We have to forgive, and that is a command. We have to forgive just as we have been forgiven in the past of the things that we have done and the things that we will ever do. The reason we are hurting is because we have allowed others to dictate how we feel. We have allowed others to control our lives. The suffering you're going through right now serves a purpose. The Bible says we have to forgive just as we have been forgiven. Forgive anyone who has caused you pain in your life. And the Bible says forgive those who ask for forgiveness. You give forgiveness even if there is no apology. Forgiveness is not dependent on the action of the other person. It is actually a decision of the will and not of the emotion. When you forgive, it is your decision. The decision of your will and not the decision of your emotion. Forgiveness doesn't instantly take away the hurt. If you have forgiven someone, there will still be pain. There will still be bleeding from the wound that that person has caused you. But those things will be taken care of in time. God's call to all of us is to be obedient in forgiveness. And if we are obedient in forgiveness, we just leave the rest to God. Right? Forgiveness more than for others is for yourself. Remember that. Forgiving is not forgetting. People say you forgive and forget. No. Forgiving means you're able to remember without anger in your heart. The moment you remember a person and there's still this pain cutting through your heart, you really haven't forgiven you. Forgiving means you can remember and talk about that person without the hurt in your heart. When Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He was praying for forgiveness for the very people who crucified him on the cross. Jesus was showing to us the greatest example of forgiveness. And as Timothy Keller puts it, he says, the essence of forgiveness is absorbing pain rather than giving it. When you forgive, you are willing to absorb the pain that that person has caused you rather than giving that pain to that person. Do not let your pain make you hate people. Sometimes because of so much hurt, you start to be angry at just anyone. 
Do not let the pain in your heart make you hate people. You cannot drive out darkness with darkness. Only the light of God can do that. You cannot drive out hatred with hatred. Only love can do that. If you are going through a difficult moment in your life, God is reminding you to endure your hardships as discipline. The reason why God is allowing you to go through this is because He wants to discipline you. As you read in the book of Hebrews, chapter, 7, verses, chapter 12, verses 7 to 11, endure hardship as what? As discipline. No discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful, right? Later on, however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The suffering you're going through right now serves a purpose. It may, it may be painful at this time, but we are promised that if we have been trained by it, it will produce the harvest of righteousness and peace in our lives. Forgiveness opens up a path of peace that allows us to persist in joy in the midst of our suffering. When you have been badly wounded by someone, it is okay to hurt. Let it hurt. Let it bleed. Let it heal. And then let it go. The message is simple. You cannot move on if you do not let go. God is putting us on a monkey bar. And He's there waiting for us. The reason why we cannot move on is because we cannot let go of the hatred, of the pain, of the jealousy, of the suffering that people has caused us. We have to let go for us to move on. Otherwise, we will be stuck in there in our own misery, wallowing in self-pity and blaming other people for how we feel. You cannot move on if you do not let go. The secret of being free is not revenge. The secret of being free is in forgiving others. It means you have made peace with the pain that that person has caused you. Forgiveness means pursuing healing rather than punishment. To all those who know what our family have been through, we could have acted otherwise, but we have always prayed that we should be able and we can be able to respond God's way, and that is through humility and kindness. You see, forgiveness is taking the knife off your back and not using that knife to hurt other people, especially those who have hurt you. It's easy to take the knife back and hurl it at someone person who has stabbed you at the back. But that is not forgiveness. You will only be free from your anger, your resentment, your bitterness, your pain, your sorrow, your shame, your remorse, the blame and the wounds that you're suffering from if you forgive. Never wish people pain because that is not who you are. If they cost you pain, then remember, they must be hurting as well. Wish them healing. Wish them peace. The Bible says, strive for peace with everyone. 
This means as much as possible, we have to live peacefully with everyone, every people that we know and every people that we meet. We have to strive for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We are called to live a life of holiness worthy of God's calling in our lives. In the light of our message about peace and forgiveness, I believe this verse from the book of Micah, chapter 6, reminds us with a very relevant and timely message. This is God speaking to the people of Israel. Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what He requires of you. This is what God requires of us. First, to do what is right. Do not act on your feelings. Be careful on what your heart is telling you. Do what is right and what is just. If you have been offended by someone, the right thing to do is to overlook that offense and forgive that person. Do what is right. Second, what does God ask of us? He asks us to love kindness. In other versions, it says to love mercy. Kindness and mercy are foundational to God's character. Even if injustice has been done to you, you still ought to love others without any condition and show kindness and mercy in every situation. Number three, God asks us to walk humbly in Him and with Him. There is no forgiveness without humility. We need to humble ourselves before God and release the pain, the agony, and the bitterness that people have caused us. Give it to Him. The heart of the matter is to do what is right, to love unconditionally, and to walk in humility. The message of Micah is still very relevant to us today as it was to the Israelites. If there is someone in your life that has done you wrong in the past, is still hurting you and betraying you at the moment, the path that you should take is the path of forgiveness. You will never go wrong if you do what is right, you love unconditionally, and walk in humility. Anything that is done not out of love is pointless. You may have the best gifts in the world. You can prophesy, you can speak in tongues, you can pray earnestly, you can be a good Christian, but without love, your life is pointless. So do what is right, love unconditionally, and walk in humility. Let's continue to worship our God. <laughs> Heavenly Father, you deserve all the glory and all the praise. We come to you today, Lord, asking you to expose our hearts
you alone know and search our heart, O oh God. Lord, we stand to you and stand before you today asking for forgiveness for the many times that we have held forgiveness back from the people we should have given it to. Lord, that when we are mistreated, we would respond in love. That when we are treated with unkindness, we will respond with mercy. And thank you for reminding us with your word today that this is what you ask of us, that we do what is right, that we continue to love kindness and mercy and love unconditionally. And most of all, for us to be able to walk in humility with you so that our lives will reflect who you are they will see your glory because of the character that is reflected through us because of your spirit that dwells in us. So Lord, we thank you for this church family. We thank you that you remind us week after week that we have to love you with all our hearts, our minds, and our soul. And we have to love one another even if it seems impossible, even if it's the most difficult thing for us to do. And thank you that we can love because you loved us first. You taught us how to love. May we never fail to act on the love that is in us because of who you are. So we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. As we go out of this room today, may we carry that message in our hearts to other people. Do what is right, love unconditionally, and walk in humility. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at encanbra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanbra.